0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So, listen, we've been talking about surviving the holidays. And the holidays oftentimes are are a very stressful time for a lot of people. Uh, A lot of times, the holidays are a time when we have to go and interact with family members maybe that we don't necessarily get along with. It was so funny. I got a phone call last week from my brother, and he said, Hey, man, uh, I listened to some of that dealing with difficult family members. Are you talking about me? I was like, well, if the shoe fits, brother, wear it. I said, no, I'm talking about mom. Anyway, um, but uh, sometimes, you guys, the holidays can be very stressful, um, especially when we try to make more of the holidays than they're intended to be. One of the things we do when we do that is we overextend our budget. We overextend our budget. And, and this time, right, I don't know about you guys, but this time right now of the season is when the budget starts getting reality. When it's about the 15th of the month, you know what I'm saying? You got the budget going, you working good on the budget, or maybe that one or two things that you want to buy or you want to get. Stick to the budget. All right. You're going to be happy in January if you stick to the budget, I promise. A lot of times, though, we have other things that happen. We celebrate a, a season, the holidays, about Thanksgiving. Uh, and we talked about being thankful. And so today I want to talk about something a little bit different. Today I want to talk about embracing the journey that God has us on. Embracing the journey that God has us on. We can survive the holidays. And honestly, we can survive every day if we'll embrace the journey that God has us on. And in talking about this, I want to talk about two different people in the scriptures that I think em- embrace the journey like no one else, like no one else. I would say this. I think these two people embrace the journey uh, like no one else with the exception of Christ. These two people were, I think, pretty, pretty much right under that as far as embracing the journey that God has for them. And so in order to look at those things, I want to first ask you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. If you have a cellular device, if you'll just look on your, on your, uh, uh, on your phone, uh, take it to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and following. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, And this next part that it's going to say, you would overlook this next part if you were just reading through it because you're just trying to get the details right now, right? You would overlook this next part. But this next part is one of the most important parts of the whole text. And it says this. It says, a descendant of King David. Now, why is that important? It's important because we were promised that the Savior that would come would be from the line of who? David, from the line of David. And so when you're reading this text and you start reading about Mary and you see the words, a descendant of King David, there's a reason why Luke put that in there. There's a reason why he put it in there. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will you will name him Jesus, and he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne and his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more... Your relative Elizabeth has, come, uh, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And it says this. It says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left her. Man, what is the situation here? Now, we oftentimes read the story of Mary, and we think this. We think, oh yeah, you know, Mary, you know, she's virgin. You know, God came down. You know, Holy Spirit. Uh, Gabriel spoke to her. She was going to be pregnant. So she came down and she said, yeah, okay, I'll do it, whatever. And then she was, well, she went, and she got, you know, she's pregnant. She gave birth to Jesus. That's kind of how we read the whole story. That's not how things happened. I want you to understand something. I want you to think about this for a second, ladies. I want you to especially think about this. A couple of years back, my wife, because she was cruel and unusual with punishment with me, made me watch a show called "Say Yes to the Dress." All right? I wanted to say no to the show, and she wanted to say yes to the dress, all right And so basically we what it would be it would be all these you know three or four different people, and they would come in, they would tell their story, and you know, there was usually a guy there who was like the coordinator. And he had a couple ladies around him. And all of a sudden, they would start coming out. And the mama wouldn't like the dress. And the daddy wouldn't. You know, he would say, I don't care. Just how much is it? Uh, And they would go back and forth talking about this dress. And sometimes the lady would make the horrible mistake of bringing about seven of her friends there. And you get seven women anywhere, and they can't agree on anything. And so, uh, right, guys? Guys like, I ain't saying nothing, bro. Uh, But it was called Say Yes to the Dress. And they would come, and they would they would try to pick out a dress. Why is that? Why wasn't there like a say yes to the tux? All right, you guys ever notice that? You guys never, ever notice that there's no guy magazines? Like, I'm getting married, and some guy on the front? You ever notice that? Why is that? Why is there no guy magazines like that? You ever notice that? It's all about, as a matter of fact, the first thing, the first thing that a lot of people do whenever they are going to get married, is the ladies will run out and they'll buy 17 magazines, all right? 17 different magazines. They'll have a stack this high and they'll go through, oh, I like that. Oh, I like this. And they plan the whole thing. A lot of people, a lot of ladies have told me that they've thought about their wedding days for their whole life. Their whole life, they've thought about, I wonder who it'll be and what it's going to be like and, and, and I wonder, you know, Um, if he'll have hair, or I wonder if, you know, they probably don't think that. I wonder if this and that, and so they start planning out their whole wedding. Why is that? Well, because weddings are a big deal for for women. They just are. The guys are like, what do I wear? You ever notice that all the tuxes kind of look the same? You know what I mean? It's like, look, dude, just wear that uniform, all right, and show up. That's what they are. But the ladies, no, no, the ladies. Are, there's actual shows that actually critique people's wedding dresses. And whenever, whenever there's a royal wedding, they always have to look at, oh, what kind of dress did you wear? And it had this and that. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for ladies, their, their, their wedding. It's a huge deal for their marriage. Hey, listen, can I tell you something? That was going on here with Mary. Now, I want you to understand something about, <clears throat> about the, the text. The word the text use, uses is betrothed. All right, betrothed. Now, the word betrothed is also synonymous with another word that, if you look in the text of the scriptures, betrothed, there's another word, espouse. It's where we get our word spouse from. Espouse. See, what they would do is, is they would be betrothed. Now, if you're betrothed, if you're betrothed, it was a year long period. If you're betrothed, what you do as a lady is you become betrothed, and in order for you to be unbetrothed, you have to get a divorce. So basically, in this scenario, it's basically like they are married. Another word they used was spouse, where we call spouses, the person that we're married to. It's a huge deal. It's a major deal, but not only that, in their, in their time, purity was a huge issue. I wish it was a huge issue today, but it's a huge issue back then, all right? And so, you've gotta realize that Mary has these plans in her mind. She's thinking, okay, I'm gonna be, we're gonna live here, and I wanna how many kids we're gonna have, and I wanna make sure I do all the right things. We know Mary was a godly woman because that's who God chose, all right? It's, scripture says, you have found favor with God is what it says. And so she wanted to do the right things by God, and so she is literally sitting there checking off the list here of, okay, well, I've got this to do and that to do, and I wanna make sure I get the right dress, and then here's the date it's gonna happen on, and, and I need to go you know to, to uh, get the magazine that I need to uh, look at to see what kind of flowers I wanna have. And from every little detail, she was in the process of planning it all out. Think about her for a second, and think about what you would think, ladies, If you're in the process of planning all this out, by the way, Mary was probably around 14 or 15 years old. just wanna let you guys know that too. She was probably around 14 or 15 years old. She's in the process of planning all this stuff out. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appeared to her. And no wonder the scripture says this in in verse 29, it says she was confused and disturbed. Can I ask you a question? Have you guys ever had a situation where God wanted to do something in your life or he is starting to do something or something happened in your life and you thought that it was gonna happen another way? You thought that that person was gonna be this or that. You thought this person was gonna do this and this person was gonna do this and neither one of them did either one of them and you thought God was gonna handle this or handle that in this way or that way. Have you guys ever been disturbed and confused? Have you guys ever been disturbed and confused about what exactly God is doing? Have you guys ever had that? You ever had that, guys? Hey, listen, I have. I've become disturbed and confused about a lot of stuff. Mary was disturbed and confused. Mary had been dreaming about the guy she was going to marry. And the scripture tells us this that we're going to read in a minute, that she had landed her a keeper, all right? She had landed her a keeper. The Bible describes Joseph as being a good man, and we're going to read that in a second. He was a good man. A lot of times what would happen is, if the family had the money, what would happen is that the bride would come and stay with the family while the husband went and built another home for the wedding couple, a home that they would go to to be their own home. That's what would be happening. So there's a strong possibility that Joseph was building a home for he and his bride during this time. Mary had it all figured out. And God comes down and says, This, Mary, you've been favored. You're going to be pregnant out of wedlock. And what would you have said? I'm going to be what? I'm going to be what? Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm confused and disturbed. <laughs> I'm going to be what? I, I have come from this good family, and, and, and I've found this guy who's a keeper. Uh, and and we're betrothed we, we're all we're basically already married, we're in that year-long period and and, and I'm going to be what what are you what are you talking about how, how can how can that be? How can it be that that's the plan that God would have for me? How could it be that that would be the plan that God would have for me? I don't understand that, and you know the next thing she said was this. She didn't ask the angel this, even though she probably, she may have, and they just didn't record it. What in the world am I going to tell Joseph? Now, it's one thing now, but what about when I start showing, what am I going to tell Joseph? What am I going to tell Joseph about this situation? What is Joseph going to think? At the same time, at the same time that that was going on, soon after, we find in, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you want to turn there, you can. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, and here's where we see it, was a good man, And did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message. What the prophet said Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the great, great verse here. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and Mary as his wife. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Now, we've already figured out what was going on with Mary at the time. Let's take a look at what was going on with Joseph, all right? And guys, I want you to walk through this situation with me and determine what exactly you would be thinking in this situation you have worked hard pretty much your whole life. You've worked hard. You've decided that, you, that, that your families have come together and said, hey, listen, Joseph, you know, Joseph's dad and mom came to him and said, hey, we've chosen Mary, this, this family, she's a great family, Mary be, to be the one that you're going to marry. Cool? All right, Mary's cute. It's all good. So he was like, great. So they went through the process. They went through the process and decided that they would be betrothed, espoused to one another. And he would start the process of preparing the home for a whole year. Now Mary was a good good girl. Or so he thought. Consider the situation, men, if you were to have been engaged and your bride-to-be came up and said, Hey, listen. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I'm pregnant, and God did it. What what are you going to think? You know what you're going to think? You're going to think, apparently there's a guy in the neighborhood named God. That's what you're going to think. That's what you're going to think. Immediately immediately he was like, there's no way there's no way I'm sorry Mary, I love you I've heard you're a good girl I've seen you around the hood you're a good girl but here's the thing here's the thing you know you and I both know that ain't true. you and I both know that ain't true now Mary I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna divorce you quietly but we're done. You know why it was so important, the word, and once again, we would skip over this, divorce her quietly. You know why we can tell that Joseph was a good man? The reason we know Joseph was a good man is because in their day, if someone who was betrothed to be married became pregnant during that betrothal period, what would happen to them is the girl would be taken by the father of the son taken with a group of men over to her father's home, in front of her father's home. The men would call out the father and tell them what the girl had done. And the father would have to watch as the girl is stoned to death. That's what they did in those situations. So when you read over a situation where it says, and he decided to divorce her quietly, basically what it said was this. He decided that he was going to save her life and he was just going to let it, let it ride, divorce her quietly. He was not going to embarrass her. He was not going to get her killed. He did not want to do anything to her family. He just wanted to let it slide and let it move on. That's what Joseph was trying to do. I don't know about you guys, but when I became engaged... Guys, if you're like me, I became engaged. I had one thought on my mind during the engagement. Don't screw this thing up. Does anybody else feel that way? Whatever you do, don't screw this thing up. I remember there was a couple times we'd get in arguments whatever, and I was like, well, here I go. Going to screw this thing up right here, man. God bless me, and here I go. Going to run right off the rails. Don't screw it up. I thought the same thing on the wedding day. I was sitting there at the altar, and I was like, okay, okay, all I have to say is yes, and I do. And that's it. And that's it. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. That's what I thought. I bet that's what Joseph was thinking too. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. But the text says this. The text says that Joseph, in a dream, Joseph was was visited by the angel. And the angel confirmed what Mary had said. Confirmed what Mary had said. And Joseph has a choice to make. Joseph can do what most every other man would do. Divorce her quietly and let her go about her way. Close the door on this chapter of his life. And begin to search for someone else. Or he could listen and embrace the plan that God had for him, and he could do what God wanted him to do. A lot of times we think that Mary and Joseph were just robots that went through this life and just said, okay, whatever you want to do. And it's so funny because a lot of us also think that, well, let me tell you something, Barry. Now, If the angel of the Lord didn't come down and tell Joseph, he probably wouldn't have believed it. Now, if the angel of the Lord came down and told me something, I would do it no matter what. And that sounds really good, but it wasn't true for the people of the Israelites in the Old Testament when God did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It wasn't true for the 12 disciples when they saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle. That was a three-year period. Hey, listen, just because the angel of the Lord, even if he appeared right here on this stage... Even though you saw it, after a few weeks, after a few months, it would wane, and you would go back to doing exactly what you had done before. Mary and Joseph were individuals that had choices to make, and the choices they make affected, affected their whole lives. Two of the most important verses that we see are found in Luke one thirty-eight and and and, uh, and Matthew one twenty-four, Matthew one twenty-four and Luke. When both of them said this, both of them said. And they embraced what God wanted them to do, basically is what it said. And with Mary, she said, okay, whatever you have, let it be that. Whatever you have, let it be that, all right? And, and, and on the other side, it was like, all right, God, I believe what you're going to do, and I'm going to follow, I'm going to continue to follow the plan that you have. Those are the two things that they have. How in the world do we embrace things like that? How in the world do we get the attitude of embracing things like that? Let's learn a few things about embracing God. The first thing I want you to know about embracing the journey is this, and you're not gonna to wanna to hear this, but our plans and God plans don't always agree. They don't. Our plans and God's plan don't always agree most of the time. They simply don't, because we have it all figured out, all right, and so here's what it usually looks like. I, have, I found a picture on the internet. Can we pull up that picture? Here's what it looks like. Do we have it, hopefully? Yes. Your plan, there you go, you got your bike. All right, you got your bike, and you're going, you're going, you got your plan, right? There's a beginning and the end, and it's a straight line, and there you go. You got your little ponytail riding the bike, you know what I'm saying? Um, you're riding the bike, and that's all good. The only problem is, is that God's plan is on the bottom, and traditionally, you start riding the bike, and all of a sudden, something happens, and, and we start seeing, oh, we go into a valley, and then we come up, and then there's a little bridge you have to go across, and then we come up, and then somehow we have to get into a boat and go across, and It even goes lower and then we come back up this huge hill and and there's another point and then we go down a little bit and then it gets sort of smooth a little bit. Then we go back up a little hill and come down into a deep valley with there's rain and thunderstorms and all this kind of stuff. And then there's a treshing going up the situation all the way to the finish. That's usually the way our life works. It usually works like that. It rarely works where you have a start and you have a finish. And the question would be, why is that? Why is that? Why would that be the case? Let me tell you why it's the case. Because your goal, your goal is to get to the finish line. All right? That's your goal. Your goal is to, you see a goal, you want to get to the finish line. You know what God's goal is? God's goal is to deepen your faith, develop your character, and to teach you along the way as you're going to the finish line. God's goal is for you to trust him as you're going to the finish line. You see, he doesn't want anything to be wasted. And so he wants to take the situations in your life and he wants to use those for his own glory to deepen who you are as a person. A lot of people don't want to go this way. A lot of people don't. Listen, Peter didn't want to go this way. There's a, there's a story about Peter where Peter is constantly trying in the scriptures. Peter is constantly trying to to go ahead of Christ and what he wanted to do. One time he even looked at Jesus and said, no, man, it's not gonna happen that way. I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen that way. And right before that text, you know what Jesus had told him? Hey, you're gonna be the founder of our church. On this rock, Peter means rock, on this rock, I'm gonna build the church. And right after that, Peter said, "You know, Jesus said, hey, listen, but I'm gonna have to go die. And he's like, no, you're not gonna die, bro. I got your back. No, not gonna happen that way, bro. Not gonna happen. And Jesus looked at him and said get behind me Satan because I have work to do. We see that over and over and over again. It's a matter of fact, there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Gideon. Now, I don't know if you guys know what Gideon means. You know, the Israelites would name their kids after certain things, all right? You know what Gideon means? It's very spiritual and deep. The word Gideon in the scripture means loaf of bread. That's what it means. The word Gideon in the scriptures means loaf. Of, it means literally barley loaf is what the word Gideon means. But do you know what, isn't it funny? What if your name was Loaf of Bread? Hey, Sunbeam, get in here, boy. You got work to do. Clean up your room. Honey, oat, wheat, get in here. But you know what God did with him? You know what God did with him? And it's so funny because God was searching out after where he would be at. And you know where he found him at? He found him hiding on the threshing floor. He was hiding away and didn't, he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He was hiding away on the threshing floor. And you know what he said when he walked up to him? He said, get up, you mighty warrior. And you know, Gideon had to say, dude, I'm barley loaf, man. I'm not mighty warrior. That's me over here. Get some ham and... Two pieces of bread is me. I, I'm soft. I, I, what are you talking about, mighty warrior? What, what are you talk, and all along the way with Gideon, he had to walk him through the process. And God does the same thing for us. He has to walk us through the process because what we think should happen is usually not the same thing as what God thinks should happen. The other thing is, is I want you to know, is that, is that the journey doesn't follow a set pattern. Our journey doesn't follow a set pattern. I've talked to you guys about this before, but one of the things I really like doing is I like going up, especially with the students, and tubing in Helen, all right? Now, it's probably the most redneck thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest with you, but I like going up tubing in Helen. As a matter of fact, I have to admit, before I moved to Georgia, I didn't know what tubing was, all right? And I was like, they said, hey, let's go tubing. I said, well, what is that? Well, we get a tube and we float down the, the river. I was like, oh, okay. It's more like a creek. If you want know the truth about it, we call them creeks in Tennessee, but it is what it is. The tubing, we go up there and go tubing. And here's the situation. They always say, do you want the short run or the long run? We always take the long run, all right? Because it's like a dollar or two more. So we go up for the long run, and I'm always the one at the very end. And so I'm in the very back, and people go and they start out tubing. Now, what is what is the goal of tubing? The goal of tubing is to get to the end. You go until it says finish, and there's guys wading out in the water, grabbing you and pulling you up, and then you walk out. You go change and go on home. But here's the situation. It's not, it's not going from point A to point B and getting to the end that's fun. That's not what's fun about tubing. You know what's fun about tubing? What's fun about tubing is get, getting caught between... Two ladies drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette. No, that's not what's fun. That's not what's fun. At all. That's happened to me. That's happened to me. But uh, what's fun about tubing is this. What's fun about tubing is going down and experiencing all the little things. And, and you know you sit there and you you know you always have your glasses on. And I always I like people watching and I like like diagnosing people. Like, yeah, all right, dysfunction junction over here to the left. But what's fun about tubing is is that the trip is never the same way twice. It's never the same way. It never is the same way. We go and we go tubing every year, and doggone it, that trip is always different. And we get out and it never fails. We get out and we go out to dinner somewhere, usually in Helen, with all the group of people. You know what we talk about at dinner? What happened while we were tubing. We talk about, man, there was this lady there, you know, she had one tooth. All right? And, and, and I'm serious. And she, you know, she had a moo-moo on in the lake, in the little river. And, and then, and then what, I, I got stuck on this side and I got flipped over. And, and it's so funny because I'll hear the students do the same thing. Hey, man, did you know that whenever we were tubing, we did this and this and this and this and this? It's different every single time. And can I tell you something? For each one of our lives here, for each one of our lives, for each one of your lives, it's different than the person sitting next to you. The trip is never exactly the same. It doesn't follow a set pattern. It doesn't follow a set pattern. The reason it doesn't follow a set pattern is because what God has for you to do, Jeff, is totally different than what he has for Steve to do. Your experiences in your life your experiences and what, you, what you've had in the past and what you presently have, the makeup of who you are, who your mom and dad were, who your brothers and sisters were, all those things. God takes all of those things into account. He takes everything into account in order to, to literally figure out the plan that he has for you and to how to get you moving in that direction. That's what he does. It's interesting. A lot of you guys may not even know this. But back whenever I was 26 or 27 years old, Wendy and I had just moved back to our hometown, to my hometown of Jackson, Tennessee. We moved back, and we had been there for a little while. I was doing some ministry, but there was, a, there was a group of friends of mine that had started a church. It was a plant church. They had started a plant church. They did it in a storefront. They had left. They had left. Different people had left different churches. It was right about the time when they started doing a little more contemporary music, and so they had left, and they wanted to start at a church. And the church they started was called New Covenant Christian Fellowship. New Covenant Christian Fellowship was the name of the church. And I'm going to tell you something. It stunk. It did. It stunk. It really did. We, would, we started the process of, of renting a, a small space, and we, we moved a couple of different times. We were in a small space. I wasn't part of the founding people, but I, I, was, part, I was part of actually coming in, and I, I was on a leadership team there. I was part of the leadership team. And so whenever, I, whenever I, 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 would, I went to the meetings, I would listen and I would learn and I would start taking everything in to what, you know, what, what was going on. And the interesting thing is, after about a year and a half, New Covenant tanked. It tanked. Completely tanked. And guess who had to close down New Covenant? Me. Me and another guy had to close down the plant church. And you know what I said when I closed that plant church down? I will never, ever, ever, ever again do a plant church, ever again. Let me ask you a question. And I'm, it was hurtful when you had to shut it down ask your question. Do you think, do you think that God possibly has used that experience in this experience? Do you think that maybe he took some of the crumbs and the morsels of that experience and used it for this experience? Do you believe that maybe the things that I learned when I was 26, 27, 28 years old, do you believe those things gave me a foresight to say, hey, listen, I know what we, I don't know what we necessarily need to do, but I, don't, I know what we don't need to do. Do you think maybe that he took those things? Do you think maybe that un, even though I didn't see it, do you think maybe that he saw exactly where I was going to be at? Do you think maybe he had a foreknowledge of those things and saw the whole plan, and I was back there hurting because we had to shut down a plant church? Do you think maybe I learned from that? Do you think maybe Wendy learned from that? Do you think maybe we learned how to do those things? I think so. I think so. And that's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. Your journey will not be my journey. And your story will not be my story. I don't know about you guys, but for me, for me, God not following a set pattern, God not following a set pattern for everyone's life is what makes life life. It's what makes people people. If all you guys were the same, you know, we have a leadership team that if you guys don't know them, you're gonna be meeting them in a second, but we have a leadership team. We could not be more different. We're totally different. We got some people that are super organized and we got some people that are not super organized. All right, here's a hint, that's me. Um, I'm a visionary kind of person. We've got some people that are number crunchers and, and that look at liability stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then we've got other people who, who, who don't look at those things. They look at it from a general sense of, hey, listen, but how is this going to affect everybody? And it's amazing to me because, because of everyone's various life experiences, God called all those men together to work and to push forward this ministry that we call real church, and you know why you can do that? Because of what you see on the screen. Because God sees the bigger picture. He sees the bigger picture. I often do this with our students, but I'll tell you, your life is like is like this stage. All right. Uh, I couldn't use everyone's got stages of life. That's kind of funny, but anyway, your life is like this stage. All right. And and you know, you may be you know here. All right, And you, you were born here, and you may be here on the stage. And I may be here on the stage. And I can only see what's here, and you can only see what's here, but God can see everything. He can see it all. And here's the cool thing I love about God, is that God doesn't take anything that I've experienced from there to there. He doesn't waste any of it. He wastes none of it. And let me say something. He doesn't waste the hurtful things. A lot of people think, well, you know, this thing really hurt. Listen, the scripture says that God can take those things and make them for your good according to those that are called for whose purpose? For his purpose. Not for your purpose, for his purpose. God sees the bigger picture. God sees the bigger picture. So what what is, what is it that I'm trying to tell you to do? Let me tell you what I'm trying to tell you to do. I'm trying to tell you to do this. Trust God like Mary and Joseph trusted God. Even when you don't understand the circumstance, even when you don't understand, if you will trust God and recognize that he sees the bigger picture, and if you will embrace the journey that God has you on, listen, even the bad stuff, If you will embrace the journey and trust God enough, I promise you this, all the stresses and strains of life, not just through Christmas, but I should have named this surviving life because that is how you have true joy and true peace. That's how you have it, is that you embrace the journey that God has you on and you trust him enough that even when things are going bad, even whenever, if you're engaged, you know. Think about that, you're engaged and 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 your bride comes up and says, "Hey, uh, I'm pregnant. God did it. even when those kind of things happen, and when God comes to speak to you, you can say, "Lord, I will do what it is you want me to do. Do you know why God needed Mary to embrace the journey? Do you know why you needed Mary to embrace the journey?" He needed mary to embrace the journey because he knew what was going to happen about 30 years later about 33 years later he knew what was going to happen and he didn't need just anyone he needed someone with the character of mary who would stick by until his death and watch as he was resurrected he needed someone like mary Can I tell you something? He needs someone like you too. He needs someone like you. He needs someone like you in the classroom. He needs someone like you in the office. He needs someone like you in the factory. He needs someone like you uh, on the police force. He needs someone and on and on and on and on and on. He needs someone like you. I want to encourage you guys today to embrace the journey because this is true God can only use the parts of you that you give him he can only use the parts of you that you give him be like Mary and Joseph and embrace the journey that God has for you let's pray Lord um, God the message today uh, truly was from you um, and it was for me it was for me, too. Um, the, the journey that you have me on is, is scary sometimes, and I know other people feel that way. I know that other people feel like that um, the journey that, uh, that you have for them is, is difficult. Um, there's joy in the journey sometimes. There's hardships. There's stressors. There's all those things. God, I'm just asking you, Lord, to um, really pierce the hearts of our people and to encourage them to embrace the journey that you have them on. Embrace the journey that you have them on. God, I just, uh, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that you um, came down and died so that we could even have an opportunity to embrace the journey. Lord, we never think about this, but you literally have a plan and purpose for each of our lives. And we don't think about that often but you have a plan and a purpose for each of our lives individually. And you use every little nugget of our life, every little incident, every little circumstance, every little thing to mold us and shape us and guide us. And Lord, it's never like the picture where you go from point A to point B in a straight line, but it's always through dips and highs and lows and valleys and rough terrain and rock and Water and all kinds of other things that come about in our lives, those are the things that build our character. Those are the things that when we know that you're walking beside us and when we get through those things, we know that you're there and we can trust you. And when we can trust you, Lord, we can give our lives over to you. And so that's my prayer for Real Church today that we would be a church that would give our lives over to you. It's in your strong and mighty name we pray. Amen. You guys, let's stand up and let's worship together. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.